Let's, let's pray and dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you for everybody who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, as we go to your word right now, we, we cry out, please, Lord, let your Holy Spirit be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Make this the most attentive hour of our week. And Lord, we ask that it be none of the words of men, but the word of God will go forth with power. I pray that I would decrease that your spirit would increase. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So as we've been going through 1 Kings, I love this. This is one of the history books in the Bible. And what I love about it is we, it does not hide the frailties of its heroes, and there's so many lessons that we can learn. And if you were here last week, you know, we've seen in the last several weeks that, you know, King David had passed away, Solomon had taken, it, taken his place, and even though Solomon, Solomon is referred to in the Bible as the wisest man who ever lived, we also know that he had wisdom in counseling others, but his own life was a train wreck. And there were three things that uh, kings were not to do. They were not to multiply chariots because they were to put their faith in God, not in their military. They were not to multiply gold. And he was multiplying gold to the point where silver was like rocks. And then he was not to multiply wives. And he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand women. I have no idea how that's even possible. (laughs) And the reality is that through all of that, the Lord, they had been warned. He said, if you intermarry with unbelievers, they will draw you away to worship their gods. And we saw at the end of Solomon's life that he was the one who had built the temple, being used mildly by God to build the temple. So worship was, and they spent years building it. It was beautiful. But at the end of his life, right across from where the temple mount is, is the Mount of Olives, where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And his 700 wives, he built altars to all their foreign gods. So if you're in the temple, you look out, it's literally a, you know, like a ditch, like a canyon. It goes up and down. It's right there. You can't miss it. So you're worshiping the Lord in the temple and you see all the false gods where they're burning incense and making sacrifices to them. Well, Solomon uh, died and we saw a couple weeks ago, Rehoboam took over, who was his son. But Solomon had already been told that the kingdom was not going to be, the kingdom was going to be torn in two. And Jeroboam was told that he was going to be the one that took the other part of the kingdom. And both of them were warned the same way Solomon was, the same way David was. If you will obey my commandments, I will bless you. And and generation to generation, you will continue to rule and reign in Israel. But if you disobey me, consequences and righteous judgment will come. And the sad part is Jeroboam and Rehoboam both saw what Solomon had did. Rehoboam was Solomon's son, the only son out of a thousand women that we even see listed in the Bible. So we know he had a lot of kids, but they only list one and he didn't turn out too good. And then Jeroboam is told he's walking along in a field and we're going to see the prophet that ran into him in the field and he had a new coat on and he tore it off of him, tore it in 12 pieces and gave him 10 pieces back and said, you're going to rule and reign over 10 tribes in the north. So he was ruling over Israel and Rehoboam was ruling over Judah. So so from this point forward in the Bible, when we refer to Israel, it's the 10 northern tribes and Judah's the two southern tribes. Now the scary part is they were warned. They saw it. They saw what happened to Samuel or Solomon, excuse me. And and we saw that they were even worse. We saw last week they were even worse. And if you were here last week, I tell the message when God's people rebel, God brings divine correction from his word. We see an unwillingness to repent. What did Jeroboam do? If you guys remember, he had the 10 northern kingdoms and he was so afraid that if his people went down to Jerusalem for Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, if they went down there to make sacrifices, he was afraid they wouldn't come back. And so what he did instead is he made worship more convenient. And the way he did that was he put an altar in Bethel, and he put an altar, an altar in Dan. And if you go to Israel, it's still there. I've taught in front, I taught last week's, when I taught last week's chapter in front of that altar. And the sad part is he made his own gods there. Golden calves. Why is it always golden calves, dude? I mean, I mean, you think he'd come up with something else golden at some point. But we know that Jeroboam, when Solomon heard that he was going to be replacing him, and he ended up doing it after he died, he was afraid and he went and hung out in Egypt for a while. And so again, he, he got the man out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of the man. Egypt's a type or a picture of the world, right? They were delivered out of bondage in Egypt, and, you know, the blood of the lamb and the shape of a cross, Passover. And so he builds these altars and basically tells his people, you don't need to go down to Jerusalem. You can just worship God here. 
and you can worship these golden calves I've set up. And then all the priests had left, so he just picked anybody he wanted to be priests. They're supposed to be Levites. All the Levites went to Jerusalem. And so he gets visited and told that because of what he's done, judgment's coming. And so we see that the same thing happens today. People today are making worshiping God more convenient, but it's not always right. Can I get an amen to that? And see, the sad part was, well, you don't have to go all the way down to Jerusalem. I mean, that's a long trek. They, didn't get, they weren't getting in cars with heaters. They were, you know, they were getting on camels or they were walking. And he said, you don't have to go that far. You can just do worship here. And then there was also the same fear you see in pastors today. Well, if you go visit their church, you may never come back. By the way, sheep that are fed don't leave. Can I get an amen? You can't steal sheep that are well-fed, but if they're not getting fed, they're going to jump the fence all day to find some green grass. Amen? And if you know that you're called, you don't work. Look, I'm not trying to build Calvary Chapel, Canal Valley, I'm thinking. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to build Calvary Chapel, Canal Valley. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. And, it, and, you know, and we're all, you know, I don't care what ship they get in. Let's just get them all to the shore. Amen? We just want to see people saved. And so as we come to tonight's chapter... I'll get to the outline in just a moment. I tell the message, lessons often learned the hard way. We're going to see some examples from Rehoboam and Jeroboam on the lessons they have to learn the hard way, and then the, those are going to take after them. And the verse that came to mind for this chapter is, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to all people. When we're obedient, God is glorified, and we get blessed. And when we disobey God, and we walk in open rebellion, Righteous judgment is coming and sin has consequences. The way the transgressor is hard, amen? And the lesson we're going to learn in the coming chapters is that the consequences of rebellion and sin against God not only have heavy consequences on individual lives, but families and nations, families and nations. So we're going to see that the sin of Jeroboam impacts his whole family. They're all going to get wiped out. Oh, I just, that was a spoiler alert. They're all going to get wiped out, but also the entire nation is going to be taken captive eventually. And so when we live a sinful, rebellious life, we impact ourselves, we impact our families. And you know what? I'm not a super political guy, but all you have to do is look at our nation and we're becoming more of a reproach than we are a blessing. Can I get an amen to that? God is not being glorified. God is not being honored. God's name is being mocked. But that's all the more reason that we need to be salt and light. Amen? God's called us to stay. I know everybody's leaving California. I get it. But guess what? People need Jesus in California. This might be the most right uh, mission field on the planet right now. And I'm not exaggerating. And that's why we need to stay. And if the Lord tells you to move, God bless you. Move. But uh, make sure it's the Lord and not your consequences or cheaper housing or you're tired of living in California. I get it. <laughs> but when we move away from his standard, from the truth found in his word, like Israel is going to do in these next few chapters, you know, when you're multiplying wives, you're multiplying chariots, and you're setting up altars to false gods, you're making sacrifices to false gods, don't be surprised when the hand of God and the grace of God are no longer upon you. I say this often. Rebellion or fellowship, choose one. You can either be in fellowship with God or you can be in rebellion against God. You can't have both. And we have to make a choice. Our nation's headed in the same direction. We deny creation and the creator. You know, evolution, we've gotten used to it. It's the biggest lie going. Can I get an amen to that? It did not go from the goo to the zoo to you. Can I get an amen? That God created you in the image of God and God's not an amoeba. Amen. And the sad part is that we've gotten to the place now where we're teaching our kids that lie in schools. Not in this school. Can I get an amen to that? But you know, the reality is we're teaching them lies and we're standing with it. We reject the sanctity of marriage. Who created marriage? God did. Marriage is not a governmental institution. It's a biblical one. And God created marriage and God defines marriage. And we have done everything but get rid of what marriage means. You have homosexual marriage. You have people that don't get married at all anymore. Marriage and divorce is rampant. And why is it? Because Christ is no longer at the center of it. Amen? Guys, the only way our marriages work when it's each for the other and both for God. Amen? The closer we are to the Lord, the closer we get to each other. Adultery, fornication, pornography, the worship of idols. We don't worship idols. Yeah, we do. We worship fame. We worship fortune. We worship materialism. We worship our hobbies. We worship, worship sports figures. Guys, if, the, if you have anything in your life that's more important than Jesus, you've got an idol that needs to die. Can I get an amen? And we need to put those things to death. 
But we're living in a time now where we're kind of matching the time of what was going on in Israel, where God had been in their presence and they have walked away from him. Another thing that's happened is the total uh, disobedience to those in authority. I'm not that old, but when I grew up, you said, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. And, and if you did something in the street wrong, not only, your neighbor would not only swat you, they'd bring you home, and then your parents would swat you too. And I, I remember when my grandma would watch me, I'd have to get my own switch. <laughs> and you better not come back with a twig. She'll go get the whole tree and hit you with it. And you had to peel the stuff off and she, you know, give you the... But here's the reality. If we don't obey the authority of our parents... And we don't obey the authority of the police officers, and we don't obey the authority of the government, and we obey the government until they tell us to disobey God, then we don't obey the government. Can I get an amen to that? But if we don't obey them, we're not going to honor God. Amen? And so it's, it's a symptom. So these same things that are happening today, again, we look at Israel tonight, and we're going to see that it's not much different. It's only a matter of time. Our nation, if it does not repent, is headed toward destruction. And good news is, here's the good news. I've read the end of the book, God wins. Not thy will, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. And his will is going to be done. And he is a faithful God. So grab your outline. Let's go through it. Lessons often learned the hard way. If you're new to Calvary Chapel, we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We don't skip over anything because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. We started in Genesis and now we're in First Kings. We started in Matthew and now we're in Titus. And the outlines I give you are more applicational. What I want to do is give you stuff you can take home with you. You know, if you've, if you've gone to the inductive Bible study class we've taught before, observation, what does it say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Application, how does it apply to your life? So as I go through the text, we'll observe it. What does it say? We'll interpret it. What does it mean? And this is more of the application you take home with you. In light of what I just saw in that chapter, how does it impact my life? So lessons learned, often learned the hard way. The false gods of this world have no answers. Can I get an amen to that? We do not go to the world for answers. Oprah doesn't have answers. Dr. Phil does not have answers. We walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Can I get an amen to that? The word of God and, the, and, and God of the word is the answer. He's the truth. Nothing is hidden from his sight. You, can fool, you cannot fool God. And he knows, he knows you for who you really are. We're going to see tonight, as foolish as Jeroboam is, he's going to send his wife in a disguise to fool a prophet. And it's just tragic that we think we can somehow live our lives and hide from God who we really are. It's been said reputation is who you are when everyone's watching and character is who you are when no one but God is watching. Amen? And we need to be people of godly character. Number three, obedience produces blessing. Rebellion produces judgment. Now, I want to say this. Not the blessings you might think. I'm not talking about name it and claim it, grab it and blab it, believe it and achieve it, say Cadillac, 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 and there'll be one in your driveway. That's not what I'm talking about. You're the word of faith movement that has neither the word nor faith. Can I get an amen? But here's the reality is that when we obey God, he blesses us. But he, he doesn't necessarily bless us in financial ways, though he could. But the reality is I love the blessings he gives me to have nothing to do with financial because it's all going to burn. Can I get an amen? Because it's all chaff. It's all wood, hay, and stubble. I'm talking about the blessings of intimate fellowship with the Lord. I'm talking about the blessing of walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the blessing of God using you to minister to other people and bringing divine appointments into your life. When you're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Number four, life is but a vapor. I was talking to somebody yesterday and, and about my age and I go, I feel like it's Christmas about every three months now. Because I'm so old, it's like every year just goes by so quick. My, grand, my oldest grandson just turned 12. I'm like, how did that happen? And so I'm, I've got a grandson that's almost a teenager. I feel like I was a teenager not that long ago, right? But the reality is, life is but a vapor. And when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. We've got a limited time here. We've got a vapor of time to serve the Lord. And what are we going to do with the time we have left? We're going to try to make ourselves famous? Make ourselves comfortable? Or are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? To go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. You know what we're called to do? To know him and to make him known. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Number five, the flesh will never be satisfied. We're going to see the mix of power and pride tonight. And when you have power and you're prideful, mess. Amen? Because when people, from Second Chronicles, we're going to find out that Rehoboam actually was walking with God and had a love for God and wanted to serve God until he got power. 
And then once he had power, and once he became the king, and once he was the wealthiest man on the planet, and once he had a great military, he ceased to be desperate for God. And see, sometimes the worst thing that can happen to us is God allowing us to have all the stuff we want, because then we no longer are desperate for God. One of my prayers is, God, don't give me a dollar more than I can, than I can handle and stay humble. Amen? Because otherwise, what happens is we, we look at our bank account, and we don't feel desperate for the Lord anymore. I grew up in a family where my dad was a pastor. I, I, I have his tax returns now because I got all this stuff when he went to heaven. And in, this, in 1968, he was making $311 a month, and we ran out of food all the time. Couldn't play literally because it cost $4. You know, we went through that. But here's the reality. No suffering is wasted, and the reality is this, that, again, we want to be faithful to serve the Lord with the time that we have. Amen? And we don't want to put our faith... And because our flesh, again, it will never, ever be satisfied. There's no amount of stuff that can make you happy. They asked Rockefeller, how much money did you need, do you need to have to be happy? And his answer was a little bit more. Amen. And then finally, all that the Lord has blessed you with can be wiped out in a moment of rebellion. There's few things that break my heart more than to see someone being used mildly by God. And then the enemy comes along and they fall for a tr- into a, a cho- make a choice to rebel against God, and it disqualifies them for ministry for the rest of their life. Or at the very least, it, dis- it harms the name of Christ, and it harms their name forever. And we, gotta, we need to recognize that there's nothing the flesh has that will satisfy. There's a God-shaped vacuum, and only he can fill it. Drugs won't do it. Sex won't do it. Money won't do it. Fame won't do it. Stuff won't do it. Hobbies won't do it. Only Jesus can. Amen. But at the same time, too, we need to be careful that the enemy, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can't take you to hell with him, he wants to rule you ineffective for heaven. He wants to make your life on here, on this earth, have no impact on eternity. So let's begin there in verse 1. Lessons often learned the hard way. The false gods of this world have no answers. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. Let's go back and read verse 33 and 34 in the previous chapter. It says, After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way. After he was confronted about serving the false gods, after he he knew that he was in open rebellion, after God sent a prophet to speak to him, he said, I don't care, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care, I'm going to keep doing it. So he continues in his evil way, but again, he made priests of every class of people for the high places, that's the altars where they worship the false gods. Whoever wished, he consecrated him, And he became one of the priests of the high places. So not only did he raise up priests that weren't Levites, he made himself a priest. He made himself an an intercessor between the golden calves and his people. Well, you can make anybody a priest because those gods don't exist. Can I get an amen to that? So he made himself a priest. He's so far away from the Lord. And it says, and this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. So we're, we're being told ahead of time that the family of Jeroboam is going to be wiped off the face of the earth. And he has not turned from his evil ways. And then look what happens. His son gets sick. Now, is all sickness, this again, the word of faith movement. Oh, if you really have faith, you'll never get sick. Uh, Somebody better tell the apostle Paul to get some faith in. Can I get an amen? You show me someone in the Bible who has used mildly. I'll show you somebody who suffered greatly. Amen. And no suffering is wasted. It molds us more into the image of our Savior. But sometimes God allows sickness to get our attention. Amen. And sometimes sickness is consequences of our behavior. Amen. We had a guy in our church in Santa Cruz drank alcohol for 50 years and got, you know, cirrhosis of the liver. Shocker. <laughs> right? And I'm like, we'll pray for you, but bro, come on. Who's, you know, we'll pray for you, but whose fault is this? I'm blaming this on God. Amen. And so his son gets sick. So because these, these golden calves are so amazing, I'm sure he's going to run down to the golden calves and pray. What do you think? Let's go, get the, let's go rub the belly of the golden calf and pray that our son gets healed. Let's see if that's what he does. Well, after the prophet rebukes him, his son gets sick. He doesn't know what to do. And look at verse 2. After, after And Jeroboam said to his wife, Please arise and dis, dis, disguise yourself that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam and go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahijah, the prophet is there, who told me that I would be king over Israel. 
Also take with you 10 loaves of some cakes and a jar of honey and go to him and he will tell you what will become with the child. So when Jeroboam was walking through a field, Ahijah came up and, and told him that he was going to be a king over the north and that God was going to give him those 10 tribes. And it happened. And so now when he's looking for an answer, he doesn't run to the golden calf. He goes to the prophet of the true and living God, which tells me that he didn't even believe that these golden, in these golden calves, it was just a way to manipulate people and keep them from going to Jerusalem. And by the way, there are people right now who do that all day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Who they have something that they teach that they don't even believe. And they're just trying to get rich from it. You see it on Christian television all the time. Amen. So when it comes to a matter of life and death, what does he do? He sends his wife, puts her in a disguise. Now, why did he put her into a disguise? Let me tell you why. He put her into a disguise because he didn't want to see the people of Israel to see his wife going to visit the prophet because he would be the ultimate hypocrite. You got all of us going to worship the golden calf, but when you need something, you go down to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You want to go hear from the prophet of the, true, of the God of Jerusalem, the God of the temple, the true and living God, but that's exactly what he does. And he disguises her because he wants her to be able to go down there. And who, you know who it reminded me of? Nicodemus. Do you remember Nicodemus came to Jesus by what? By night. Why did he do that? Because he didn't want the other priests to see him going and talking to this rabbi that everybody had a problem with. And so he went to him, you know, Nicodemus coming at night, the first episode of Nick at night, right? And he goes at nighttime and he comes and he gets with him and he asks him, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? This very religious man. And here we have the same thing. She's coming to him in disguise. She doesn't want to be seen coming to Jesus. By the way, we need to get to a point where we're not ashamed to come to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And we're not hiding it from anybody. And we, and we let everybody know that we love the Lord. Look, I've been married to my wife for 36 years. I love her so much I can hardly stand it. And I'll tell you what, I love introducing her to people. I'm not ashamed of her. And you know what? I love Jesus more than I love my wife. Guys, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Can I get an amen? And we shouldn't let the world tell us we have to keep it to ourselves. They say, don't talk about religion or politics. You can keep politics, but I'm going to talk about Jesus every chance I get. Can I get an amen? Now, Abijah's name is Yahweh is my father. And Ahijah, who is the son who is sick, Abijah, the, the son that was sick, was Yahweh is my father. So Jeroboam named his son Yahweh is my father. But at some point, he's making golden calves. Which just goes to tell us, take heed lest you fall. You may be walking with the Lord today, but you can get, you know, if you don't stay in the word and stay in prayer and continue to seek God, you can be drawn away unto something else. So Shiloh is where the tabernacle used to be in the days of Samuel the prophet. It's about 17 miles south of Tirzah, the capital of, northern, of the northern kingdom. And so that's where she's walking 17 miles or she's going down and she doesn't take an entourage. She doesn't want to stand out. She doesn't want anybody to know it's her. And she's going to go down and she's going to talk to this prophet. Now, you'll notice that she brought cakes and loaves of bread. Those were the things that poor people would bring. If a poor person came to visit a prophet or somebody, they would bring food to them. And they, and, but this is what a poor person would bring. If she was by her stage as a queen, they would usually bring gold and they would bring you know, other things like that, things of more value. But again, she's trying to fool the, the prophet into thinking that she's just some woman from the village and she's coming down to speak to him. So the last time Ahijah spoke to, Jerob Jerob to Jeroboam, it was good news. And he wants to send him back because he wants some more good news. As if, well, that guy, that's the good news guy. Let's go talk to him. Well, he's a prophet. He's going to give the God news guy. Amen. And it might be good news sometimes. And sometimes if you're outside of God's will, it's going to be uh, news of judgment. So he's the one that told him you'll be king over the tri 12 tribes, and he's hoping it's good news, but he sends his wife in a disguise. He doesn't want her to be recognized by the children of Israel. He doesn't want to show that he has faith, doesn't have faith in the idols that he has propped up. And again, after Jeroboam had set up this religion, there came a warning from an unnamed prophet that there would be judgment on Jeroboam for his idolatry. He's already been told that your entire family is going to be wiped out. He, this is the previous verse. Your whole family is going to be wiped out and then his son gets sick. And so now he's sending someone down to the prophet in hopes that he can get this to change. It says, he will tell you what will become of the child. 
Notice he doesn't say, go up there and, let, and pray with him. Or go up there and ask him to come and lay hands on our son to see if there can be healing. He just knows that this guy has the truth because he's seen that he has the truth. But he's still not grasping. He's still not crying out to God. He's just going to somebody for an answer. Hopefully the answer he will get. So again, even though he knows that the calves are of no value, he's still not surrendering his life to the Lord. He's still not in a place of, you know, if anything should make you desperate, it would be a, a sick child. Amen. If you're a parent here, I mean, you, you give anything beyond your face, crying out to God. So tries to hide her identity. Now watch what happens. And Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see for his eyes were glazed by the reason of his age. You know, it could have been cataracts or something, but he had something where he couldn't see anymore. Now, what's amazing about this is this man is physically blind, but he sees better spiritually than anybody. Amen? And sometimes we have people that, you know, they seem to have a vision of what's going on in the world, but they're blind to who, who God is. It's better to be spiritually sighted than physically sighted. Amen? And so she's coming from a distance, and point number one there. The false gods of this world have no answers. We don't, we don't see anybody visiting the golden calves just to, just to check. They're not running up to the golden calves and rubbing on them. They're not, even, they're not seeking the golden calves at all. He sends his wife down to find out the truth. And guys, here's the reality too. When you make a stand for God, most of you guys know I have a full-time job in the same company for 32 years. Everybody there calls me Pastor Dave. They know where I'm coming from. But the same people that mock me on Monday are at my desk asking for prayer on Thursday when someone in their family is diagnosed with cancer. Now people are getting COVID. They're over at my deck. Hey, Pastor Dave, can you pray for... They're sending me emails and texts. Can you pray? And so guys, we need to stand for the Lord. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, right? By your fruit, they shall know you. We should be the most loving people on the planet. We should do our job as unto the Lord. But, but the same people that mock you, the same people like this king who thinks he's got it all together, when an emergency happens, he's sending his wife down to talk to the prophet. Point number two. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Look what happens. Now the Lord had said to Ahijah, here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you for something about her son who is sick, for he is sick. Thus and thus, and thus you shall say to her, for it will be when she comes in that she will pretend to be another woman. Does God know everything? Yes. And he doesn't just know it in Jeroboam's wife life. He knows it in my life and in your life. Amen. If you've got a sin that you think you're keeping secret, God knows. And repenting is what we need to do because God already knows. No, I don't, want to, I don't want to confess that. Well, he already knows. You might as well. Can I get an amen? Be transparent. Be open to the Lord. Cry out to him. And so he tells her, tells him ahead of time, oh, by the way, and the guy's blind. That disguise is of no value at this point, right? But she comes all the way down. He's like, she's going to come in. It's going to be Jeroboam's wife. She's going to talk to you about her sick son. It's, it's coming. And so the prophet of God is going to be used to speak for God directly to Jeroboam's wife. It says in Hebrews 4, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. That's a great verse, amen? We all will give account to the creator of the universe. Now, if you're born again, you're not going to be at the great white throne judgment. Well, you will be at the bema seat judgment. Well, you'll be judged on how faithful you've been with the gifts God's given you. Are you have you buried your gift in the sand? Are you using it for his kingdom and for his glory? But every one of us is going to stand before Almighty God one day. I just want to hear seven words. Here's my, here's my, people say, what do you want? You know, what's your retirement? What's your 401k program? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can I get an Amen. I want to live in such a way that enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so he knows who she is. She's coming. She has no idea that he knows. Look what it says there in verse six. So it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps, as she came through the door, he said to her, come on in, wife of Jeroboam. You got to love it. Can I get amen? She's all this. I wonder how long she worked on that disguise. You know, she's the queen. I don't know how long, you know, how much makeup did she put on? What kind of veil was she wearing? What kind of stuff? You know, she walked through all the crowds and nobody recognized the queen. And, and she's stepping into his house and he's blind. Come on in, wife of Jeroboam. Come on in. I love that. That's our God. He knows everything. Amen. Why do you pretend to be another person? 
for I have been sent to you with bad news. So Jeroboam thought he was the good news guy, but guess what? It was bad news. Now, why was it bad news? Because Jeroboam had rejected the true and living God. Because Jeroboam had put up false idols. Because Jeroboam had been warned by God and he rejected him. Because Jeroboam chose to continue to do evil. Guys, you cannot live a life of open rebellion, living a life where you shake your fists at God and then expect God to show up and bless you. Guys, there needs to be repentance before there can be restoration. And you can take a hundred steps, a thousand steps, a million steps away from God. It truly is only one step back. So I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging me. When we get in a place where we are allowing ourselves to get caught up in something that we know is outside of God's will, boy, we need to be repenting. Amen? We need to be repenting day by day. You can't hide from God. It says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Guys, imagine the shock of his wife. Not only does she hear who, that he knows who she is, but he doesn't say, you've been sent to me. He said, I've been sent to you. This is a divine appointment. I knew you were coming, but God had me here for a reason. And God has me here to speak into your life. And I pray for divine appointments every day. Most of you guys know I was out with COVID for four weeks, having a hard time breathing. God brought me through it and praise God it's behind me. And I'm thankful that my doctor, Kahanowitz, says, there's no way you're getting it again. I'm thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen? And if I die to COVID, that's okay. Heaven's better. Can I get amen to that? But the reality is that I was talking to the people for a short, I've been back at work for three weeks and I was talking to a lady, short-term disability. And she said, what's your email address? I said, David Johnson at calvarychapel.com. And she goes, that sounds like a church. I said, it is a church. And we talked about the Lord for an hour. And, you know, where are you going to, well, I haven't been able to fellowship. I don't even, she might be watching. Hey, Virginia, I hope you're watching. So, so the cool thing is, if we pray for divine appointments every day, that's a, a prayer God will answer every day. And it could even be that, that here he is, the prophet of God, like, Lord, here I am, use me. I know I can't see anymore, but I know you can use me. And the Lord is speaking to him and preparing him for this divine appointment that's coming his way. See, God prepares both the one who's going to listen and the one who's going to deliver the message. Cornelius and Peter right? Peter's up on the rooftop. Uh, that's what rice, kill and eat. And Cornelius is the whole, you know, the angel that's go, go get, go get Peter and have him come back. And God prepares Peter's heart that someone's coming and needs to hear the message. And Cornelius knows that's the guy that's going to bring me the message. God brings them together and we get to see salvation. Amen. Now God does all of it, but guys, don't you want to be a tool in the hand of the master? Don't you want to make yourself available? So the Lord says, this person needs to hear and Eric's ready to share. I'm going to send her to Eric. Can I get an amen? God will bring those divine appointments. Here's a hygiene. She walks in and he lets her know straight up. By the way, we need to love people enough to tell them the truth. I got bad news for you. And here's the reality. Sometimes the news is not what we want to hear. My assistant pastor from Santa Cruz, I just found this out this morning. My assistant pastor was on my staff for 10 years, one of my closest friends in the world. And he served alongside me. He was a part of my family. All my kids consider him an uncle. He got cancer. He moved to Idaho. It looked like all this cancer was gone. He was in remission. And the only thing left was he was still having breathing problems. And he went in to get an x-ray today and all the cancer's back in full force. And they're giving him a short amount of time to live. Now here's the reality. Heaven's better. Amen. But he's so desperate. He's like, Dave, I just want to, I want a little more time so I can serve Jesus more. So I can tell more people about him. None of us have the promise of tomorrow. Amen. And we want to be faithful with the time that we have left. So even Jeroboam's wife, she comes for this journey, but she's not, but God is the one that brought the prophet to her. Now watch, look at verse seven. Go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I've exalted you from among my people and made you ruler over my people, and tore the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it to you. And yet you have not been as my, my servant David, who kept my commands, and who followed me with all his heart to do only what was right in my eyes. Here's what he says to him. I gave you the kingdom. I told you how you were to rule the kingdom, and you have disobeyed what I told you. And you have not been faithful to the calling I've placed upon your life. Now, we're not called to be kings, but we're called by God. And we have gifting that God has given us. And a lot of it, here, by the way, if you're born again, how many of you guys are born again? Raise your hand. If you're not born again, we should talk after. Can I get amen? But here's the reality. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he gave you gifts. And it's usually as many gifts. 
And the gifts he gave you, he didn't give you, you know, the parable of the talents so you can hide them in the sand. And this church only is healthy if we're all using our gifts. Can I get an amen to that? I may have a gift you don't have, but you have gifts I don't have. And that's how we minister one to another. That's how the body, if everybody's an eye, where's the hearing? And so the body of Christ to function, we all need to use the gifts God's given us. And the sad part is that too often we put it in the sand, we put it away, we ignore it. So he says, look, I gave you, I made you king over my people. I gave you a command that you were to rule them well. And I told you to have the heart of my son, David. I warned you against worshiping false gods and you did it anyway. And you know what? God's not going to be mocked and judgment will come. Now watch what he says in verse nine, but you've done more evil than all who were before you. For you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded images to provoke me to anger and have, have cast me behind your back. By the way, when you provoke God to anger, that's not good. You don't want angry God. Can I get an amen? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen? And we should have a reverence and a fear for who God is. By the way, God is way greater than you think. Amen? Amen? When we get to heaven, we're going to be blown away by the greatness of God. No matter how great you think he is, your finite mind, my finite mind cannot anyway encapsulate the greatness of the God that we have. Amen? And by the way, heaven is going to blow you away. It's way better than you will ever think it will be. Amen? We're going to get to heaven and go, dude, I'd have come sooner. <laughs> and when we see the greatness of God, we'll say, I, sh- I would have prayed more if I'd known you were this great. And sadly, we don't pray as much as we should. We cease to be desperate for God. Sometimes, well, can you help? Well, you know, I can't really do anything. I guess I can pray. Prayer's not the last result. It's the, it's the greatest weapon we have. Can I get an amen? In the spiritual battle that we fight. And he tells them, you've done more evil than all who were before. You're the worst. Go tell Jeroboam, dude, you're the worst. And by the way, God's angry with you. Dude, that's not good. And then he says to him, watch this. And you've cast me behind your back. You know what he's saying? You forgot about me. You've put idols in front of me. You've got your people going to idols and rejecting, going down to Jerusalem to worship the true and living God. If I walked into your house, have you put God behind your back? If I walked through your house, just went to your house right now while you're here, we walked through your house and video, would there be any evidence that you love Jesus in that house? Can I get an amen to that? Would there be any evidence if we walked around and videotaped you for a week living your life? Would there be evidence that you love the Lord or do we hide him from the world? And I have people say that, well, no, you know, I don't, I don't really talk about Jesus to other people because uh, that's rude. You know what's rude? You know, friends don't let friends, you know, drink and drive. Friends don't let friends burn in hell. Can I get an amen to that? If you like, you know what? Here's the reality. I'd rather have somebody be offended that I told them about Jesus than be standing next to him on judgment day and I'm getting entered into the kingdom like, hey, bro, could have, could have clued me in over here. Amen. You could have said something to me. We need to be obedient to the Lord and not worry so much about offending people. But look, be kind, be loving, be gracious, but be bold. Amen. Through the Holy Spirit. And he tells him, you've hidden me behind your back. Do you guys ever think about the moment you're going to stand before the Lord? I do almost every day. And the reason I do is I know that when I get there, it's going to be too late to change it. But I imagine being there, looking back on my life, and now I look, and I'm looking at my life right now, going, okay, Lord, when I stand before you, what, what, what that I'm doing right now needs to change? What more can I do for you while I still can? Amen? Because we're going to stand before him one day, and I, I, I'll break my heart. I'll say, Dave, you, you hid me behind your back. You're ashamed of me. I gave you opportunities to speak the truth in love. You got caught up in everything else but me. You heard me say it a few weeks ago. You know what? And again, we all vote biblically and all that kind of stuff. I think some people have way more faith in Trump than they did Jesus Christ. And I think maybe that was the best thing that happened to us. Because we as a nation need to get our eyes back on the Lord. We don't put our faith in the White House. We put our faith in the throne of grace. Amen? Amen. And again, pray for our president. But here's the reality. Our country needs Jesus. And revival comes again when we get on our knees and we cry out to the Lord. And again, I vote pro-life and I vote pro-Israel and all those things. And we, we, we cried out and we got King Saul. Amen. We got King Saul and that's going to be what happens. But here's the reality. I think we talk too much about that and not enough about the real, the real answer. And the real answer is Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. It says, therefore, behold, because you're worse than them all, 
Because you're the most evil person who's ever come along as a, as a king. Because you're hiding me behind your back. Because you've made golden images. Verse 10. Therefore, point number three, obe- obedience, blessings, rebellion, judgment. I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. And I will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until it is gone. I have people tell me, you know, Jesus is just all love. God, the Bible, he just, all he does is love. There was a lady in our church in Santa Cruz and she would come up to me every service and say, you talk too much about holiness and judgment. You should just talk about love. I said, that's, that's, that, that's not the Jesus of the Bible because that's only half of what he is. Can I get an amen? Is he a God of love? What's the answer? He's the definition of love. Can I get an amen to that? But those who the Lord loves, he, he disciplines. Amen? And so... Here's what he says. I'm going to get rid of your entire family and I'm going to take you out like removing garbage. He just called them refuse. We're going to take everybody out of your family like we're taking the trash out. Wow. That's not good. God's angry at you. That's tough. And if God refers to your family as taking out the trash, that's not good. Every male, the Hebrew speaks of of this way to describe these men and he's going to remove every single male related to him from the face of the earth. And again, Jeroboam's sin was setting up golden calves, and it's going to lead the entire nation away from the worship of Yahweh. And God is serious about those from positions of authority, especially. And if we don't, you know, we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. He created a religion that kept people home. He created a religion that kept them away from the true and living God. He created a religion that was convenient. He created a religion that focused on himself and not on the Lord. And we need to be careful, and we see how God feels about that. Again, he compares the removal of his lineage to taking out the trash. God does not take idol worship lightly. Amen. Somebody was here a few weeks ago, not here tonight, so I'll say it. So well, I don't think it was wrong that they had calves because they were, they, they were symbolizing Yahweh. Did you pay attention to the men? What are the first and second commandments? Thou shalt know other gods before me and serve no graven image. Can I get an Amen. We don't make images of, of God because they don't work. Can I get an amen to that? Because you can't create an image that would contain the greatness of the God that we serve. Now notice what it says here. After these, his, his people die, look what it says. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field for the Lord has spoken. Wow. Now here's the thing. Back then, much like today, there's very few things more insulting or, or more hideous to think about than somebody you love dying and then just being left in the street. Nobody would do that. If you care about people and they die, even though it's just their body and we know they're in heaven, that was, that was the tent my dad lived in, you know what I mean? And so we'll, we want to bury it properly and have a place where, you know, we just want to take care of it, right? So here's what he's basically saying. There's going to come a day when nobody cares about anybody in your family, Jeroboam, to the point that when they die, they're going to just leave them in the street and let the dogs eat them. And the ones that die in the, in the field, they're just going to leave them in the field because there's not going to be anybody left that cares about you or your family to actually give them a grave and give them a proper burial because of what you have done, Jeroboam. Not because God's not loving, but because Jeroboam had rejected God. He had rebelled against God. He shook, shook his fists at God. He mocked God. He set up false idols in the place of God. Again, God's a loving God, a gracious God, and a merciful God. He suffers long, but he won't suffer always. And again, I, I don't like to take things from, you know, from 3,000 years ago, but obviously there's applications to today because our country is so much further away from God than we were 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago. Amen? When I was in elementary school, we still did plays about the wise men. And people were going, wow. Yeah, but that's how it, used to, it was. And you know what? We still had prayer in schools. I mean, when, you know, the school I went to, our, our teacher had a Bible and would pray and was very open about being a Christian, even though it had kind of been banned. But if you did it, nobody cared. Now, the teachers' union seems to be more powerful than the, than the church. Can I get an amen? So what do we want to do? We want to stand for God even when nobody else will. Amen? And, and, and we see what happens here is that because of his disobedience, 
that even his, his entire family would be looked upon and shunned. And that's tragic. He says, arise, go to your own house. When your feet enter the city, the child shall die. He's telling the queen, Jeroboam's wife, now time for you to go home and tell your husband what's coming. And by the way, as soon as you step foot in the city, your son's going to die. Wow. That's some, that's some heavy judgment. Amen. But notice what it says here. All Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. For he is the only one of Jeroboam who shall come to the grave because in him there is found something good toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Now, I love this. It tells us that God looked at his whole family, doesn't it? Amen. It wasn't that they're, that they're going to die only because their ungodly dad. But all his other sons, all his other family were lined up with their dad. But there was one among them who loved God. That's what it says here. And notice he gets a proper burial. But you might say, well, yeah, but he died. Well, guess what? Death has no sting for the believer. Can I get an amen? And he's going to be delivered before they're being eaten by animals, before all the destruction comes. And I know this might be a stretch for some of you, but I immediately thought of the rapture. God takes out the godly before he brings a judgment on the ungodly. Can I get an amen? Enoch was removed before the flood of Noah. You know, God will take the, the, the godly out before he brings the judgment. Because you know what? God has not appointed us unto wrath. Amen? He's delivered us. It is finished on the cross of Calvary. And so I love that picture. And I love how even in the midst of when your dad is essentially the most evil king that has ever lived, far worse than anybody, he still had a son that loved God. So you cannot blame your faith on your parents. Amen? God has no grandchildren. You're not saved because your parents are saved. You have to have your own faith in the Lord. And I know people that come from horrible families that love God. And I know people that come from really godly families and want nothing to do with them. Because guys, we all have free will. Amen? We all can choose to accept him or reject him. And again, as we see, as we saw last Thursday when the Lord spoke through a prophet about a future event, he would bring an immediate event as proof or a foreshadow of what's coming. Remember last time he said he's going to do this. But he said, I'm going to wipe out your entire family and one of his sons dies. It's a preview of what's coming. So when the prophet said that the son was going to die and he said the whole family was going to die, the son died right away. So they know that his word is true, which means that all the other people dying is going to be true also. Amen. What I love about prophecy in the Bible, every, every Bible prophecy, you know, pointing to the Messiah, all fulfilled by Jesus, more prophecy being fulfilled all the time. But here's the good news. Because it's all been fulfilled, we can trust the prophecies we see in the book of Revelation. Amen? We can Because he's been faithful to the promises behind us. He'll be faithful in the promises that are to come. So as God found something good in this young prince, he delivered him from the violent deaths that would become his more rebellious family members. And when a younger person dies or is taken too, you know, too young, by the way, nobody dies too young. We all die right on time. Amen? It says in Isaiah 57.1, the righteous perishes and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away when no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. My worship leader, at, when I was a youth pastor with Pastor Rob up in San Jose, our worship leader was a young man in his 20s. And when he, when he was about 28 or 29, he got brain tumor. And he actually had the brain tumor for a while, but it got to a point where he was going to die. And I did his funeral. When I went to see him in the hospital... He, gra he grabbed a hold of me. I loved it. He grabbed a hold of my shirt and he pulled me close. He says, Pastor Dave, I have to ask you a favor. I said, what's that? He goes, I want you to preach Jesus at my funeral like you never have in your life. I want you to preach it with boldness. I don't care if you tell it to him 10 times. He says, I got a lot of unsaved family. They need Jesus. Okay. And they're all like, he died too soon. No, he didn't. He died right on time. Can I get an amen? Because heaven's better. You know, at his funeral, he led worship. You're like, how did he do that? We videotaped worship and then had him lead worship at his funeral. Amen. My wife said, if, I, if, if she dies before me, I'm going to be sharing the gospel at my funeral. <laughs> so let's see if that, we'll make sure Brett gets video of that and we'll do it. Amen. <laughs> but I love this, you know, that the Lord delivers the righteous from the judgment that is to come. And even though you may have a family that's far away from God, it's not an excuse for us not walking with the Lord. Amen? Verse 14. Oh, wait. 
they all mourned. They came to this you know, God of Israel, house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam. This is the day. What even now? He's letting him know your time not only going to be cut off, but it's coming immediately. You better be ready. For the Lord will strike Israel as the reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel from its good land, which he gave to their fathers. He will scatter them beyond the river because they have made wooden images provoking the Lord to anger. God makes it very clear that when you worship false gods, it is, it is the ultimate blasphemy. It is the ultimate thing where you've rejected the true and living God. Now, here's what's crazy. The Canaanite gods were the reason that God sent the children of Israel to take Canaan. And then Canaan became the land of promise. And now they brought Canaanite gods back into the land. And now God's going to give the land back to the enemies of Israel. And Israel is going to be scattered. Israel is going to, everything that they've built up is all going to be taken away in a short amount of time. Why? Because they walked away from the true living God and started serving the false gods. You know what? A man came here. I can't remember who it was, but he came to the United States back in like the forties. And he wanted to find out why America was so great. By the way, of the top 25 inventions ever created in the history of in the last 2000 years, 23 were made in the United States. Electricity, cars, computer, we go down the list. Why? Because God blessed a country that honored him. Amen. And the man who came said, you know, I thought I'd find the reason that they're, you know, they're so blessed in their, in their schools. And he said, I didn't find it there. I thought I'd find the city square. I didn't find it there. And he went everywhere. And he goes, you know what? And then I went to the churches. And then I found out why God was blessed in America. Because America loves God. And he said, as soon as America ceases to love God, God will cease to bless America. And guess what? That's where we're headed. Can I get an amen to that? And so, but that's our job to be salt and light in the midst of this. So his idolatry, his worship of golden calves, his fear of losing the people, his religion of convenience would have come to nothing of the people of Israel. Because notice what it says here. Not only is his house going to be judged, but he struck all of Israel. Wait a minute. Why all of Israel? Because Israel followed him in this blasphemous behavior. So guys, I don't care what our government does. I don't care what my boss tells me to do. Guys, we obey God rather than man. Amen? And some of these people should have stood up and said, this is wrong. Now the Levites did because they all went down to Jerusalem. They all got up and left. And you know what? We need to be those who will stand up for the truth, even if nobody else will. So it says there in verse 16, and he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who sinned and who made Israel sin. It says, then Jer- Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. When she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. Just what the Lord said, just what the prophet said. You know, the Lord said to the prophet, the prophet said to her, as soon as you walk in your house, the child will die. God is faithful to his word. And then they buried him. All Israel mourned for him according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through the servant, Ahijah the prophet. He said, he's going to die. You're going to bury him. And all of Israel will mourn for him. And that same day, or however long it took her to walk home, that's exactly what happened. God's word says it, that settles it. Can I get an amen? Let God be true and every man a liar. The word of God is truth. Point number four there. Life is but a vapor. Look at verse 19 and 20. Now rest of Acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned. Indeed are they written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel. The period of Jeroboam reign was 22 years. So he rested with his father. Then Nadab, his son, reigned in his place. And he's not going to reign long. So how long did Jeroboam have as king? 22 years. During those 22 years, he did so many ungodly things. How much time is Jeroboam going to spend in eternity? Life is but a vapor. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Amen? The only thing we're going to take into heaven with us is people. The only thing that really matters in the end is what have we done with God's son? And so Jeroboam's life, he thought he had the world, you know, by the tail, if you will. He thought it had it all going on. He had everything he could want. And 22 years, his 22-year reign was a total disaster because he did not heed the word of God and the warnings of God. He led God's people into blasphemous idolatry and his sin had consequences both on his family, all wiped out, and on the nation because they disobeyed God. 
Jesus said, if anyone stumbles one of these little ones of mine, it would be better to ha- for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and be cast into the depths of the sea. God doesn't take it lightly when someone leads his children or those who are spiritually immature into disobedience. Having taught us all that happened in the northern kingdom, he now is going to shift gears as we finish the chapter And he's going to kind of back up in time a little bit. So the same time all this was happening with Jeroboam, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, is in Judah. So Judah is the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. When they say Israel, it's the 10 northern tribes. Now watch what happens here. Last two points. The flesh will never be satisfied. It says, And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. Now remember, when he became king, we talked about this, some of the elders and the people came to him and said, hey, your dad taxed us into the ground and he had us all serving. And if you will cut us a little break on the, paraphrase, if you'll cut us a little break on the taxes, we will faithfully serve you. And he went away and talked to his elders. They said, that's good. That's a good thing. You should go do that. And then he talked to a bunch of his buddies and his buddies said, oh, no, don't do that. Go in there and, and make it harder. So he walked in and said, the, my, my dad, you know, the, the weight of my thumb is going to be heavier than the weight of my dad's waist. I'm going to put more burdens on you than you've ever seen. And we know what happened. They rebelled against him, and those 10 tribes became the tribes of Israel. And that happened when he was 41 years old. So how long did he reign? Look what it says here. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nama and Ammonitus. By the way, the Ammonites were enemies of Israel. And they were one of the peoples that they were supposed to destroy when they came into the land of promise. And Solomon married one. But basically, he married somebody from every country because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And the Bible tells us not to be in together with unbelievers. It tells us that it will draw us away. And so his mom was an Ammonitess. Now, Judah did evil. Now, these are the people in the land of Judah. We thought, sometimes people think, well, Israel was bad, but Judah was better. And we will see going forward that Israel does not have one more godly king. None. Bad, bad, worse, bad, worse, bad, worse, worse, bad, worse. That's what happens in Israel. They just keep getting worse. Kind of sounds familiar. So they just keep getting worse. <laughs> But Judah is going to have some good kings in there. King Josiah can rediscover the word, right? We're going to see some good kings in Judah. So the kind of mentality some people have is, well, Judah was the good people in the bot. Well, no, because look what it says about Judah here during the same time. It says, Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. They provoked him to jealousy with their sins as they committed more than all their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and wooden images on every hill and every green tree. And there they were also perverted persons in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations that the Lord had cast them out before the children of Israel. They took all the worship, and I'm going to be direct. Here it is. This is worship. It's not worship. They had Baal and Baal and Moloch. And so what they did with them is they would take babies that were born out of, you know, that were born and they would take them and heat up the hands of the idol and they would take the baby and set it on the idol and let it burn to death. And then the other Ashtaroth and the other gods that they worshiped were gods, gods of sex. So what would happen is they would go up on these high places and they'd have a, they'd have a drunken orgy. And one of them, it was all homosexuality. And so they were doing this as acts of worship. And then they were taking all the babies that were born from the sexual immorality and and basically setting them on fire and and giving them up to the false gods. Does that sound like like following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Does it get any more perverse than that? And, and, And again, it sounds like today because... A lot of times, a lot of the message for abortion is they, they inject them with a fluid that basically burns the baby alive. It's no different. The fact that people now just, you know, they, they've come to worship, uh, you know, fleshly desires above anything else. There's nothing new under the sun. And this is happening in Judah. So look, isn't it amazing? You got one king in the north and he's really bad. And this guy almost seems worse because of the the sacrifices and the, the way that they're worshiping in Judah, all the people chimed in and were getting involved in this ungodly behavior. Verse 25. 
So the flesh will never be satisfied. So they're, so they're worshiping that temple prostitutes, male and female temple prostitutes, homosexuality, I mean, just out of control, setting babies on fire. That was their act of worship. And guess what? There's no amount of fleshly desires being fulfilled that can ever be satisfied. Amen? You know, I just got to get, get, get the wild oats out of my system. No, you're, no, they'll never be satisfied. Amen? And when you give into your flesh, it just wants more. And the next time you have to do more to satisfy the flesh. And so we need to be, we need to be conscious of the fact that we're called, by the way, this is a word that still exists. We're called to live holy lives. Amen. Set apart unto the Lord. We're called to be different than the world. You hear me say it all the time. You know, we're, we're in the world, but not of the world. The boat's in the water, but the water's not supposed to get in the boat. Can I get an amen? We minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. We want to share Jesus with them, but Jesus didn't become like the people say, well, Jesus, you know, ate with drunk, you know, sat down with drunkards. Yeah, but he didn't drink. He didn't get drunk with them. Can I get an amen? He shared Jesus with them. He shared, you know, the gospel. He is Jesus. He shared the gospel with them. He pointed them to the truth. And that's what we should be doing as well. Finally, last point, all that the Lord has blessed you with can be wiped out in a moment of rebellion. Now watch what happens. Verse 25. It happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, the Shishak, king of Egypt, came against Jerusalem and he took away the treasures from the house of the Lord. That's the temple, okay? Solomon built that temple, spent years building it, brought the best wood from around the world, had the best craftsmen. It was a place where God was being worshiped. It was a, it was a house for God. Remember David said, how can I live in a house and God be in a tent? So this house of the Lord is built not that many years later, just a few decades later. And now look what's happening. Because they rebelled against God. Look what's happening to the house of God. It says there, he took away the treasures from the house of the Lord, the treasures from the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away all the gold shields which Solomon had made. You remember when Solomon had so much gold, he didn't know what to do with it. And he made all those, those shields and he just had them in the walls of his house. The entrance into his house, he had all these shields and it, it equated to millions of dollars worth of gold. And now they're all gone. The gold has been taken away. In a brief moment, all that God had blessed them with was all being taken away. The temple where they worship the Lord, it's all being taken away because of their rebellion against God. You know what? You go out and commit adultery and your whole family can be taken away in a minute. Amen? You go out and get involved. You go steal from your company. You can lose your job in a minute. You know, you're, and not only do you lose your family and lose your job, but you blow your testimony. Amen? It's tragic. When they hear your name, that's what they'll remember. Then it says, Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway in the king's house. So he lost his gold shields, replaced them with bronze shields because they don't have gold anymore. They used to have so much gold that silver meant nothing, and now it's all gone. And he makes bronze shields. Now, I love how the Bible rocks because in the Bible, gold uh, represents deity, right? You know, when, when you see that, Talk about the Lord and gold, 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 right? But bronze is a picture of judgment throughout the Bible. The bronze altar, the bronze laver, right? Wherever the sacrifices are made, they're being made out of bronze. So he went from a place where he was blessed by God to a place symbolizing the judgment of God. Amen? And that happens quickly, can happen quickly, if we make a conscious choice to turn away from God. Now, I want to make this clear, just in case you're misunderstanding me. I'm not saying if you, you know, if you drive 56 miles an hour on the way home, God just left you. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with you. Now, again, when, we, when you're walking with the Lord and when you sin, you're convicted. Can I get an amen to that? And the mark of spiritual maturity is how long between when you sin and when you repent. It gets shorter and shorter and shorter. It goes from, you know, from months to weeks to hours to days to minutes to seconds to nanoseconds. Can I get an amen? Words not even out of your mouth. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And so the reality is we can repent. We can get right with the Lord. But when someone walks in, when they sear their conscience over and they walk away from the Lord and they don't heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit, consequences are coming and you can lose everything in just a moment. And that's exactly what has happened. And now he's in a place of judgment where he was in a place of blessing. Whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards carried them. They brought them back into the guard room. They held onto these shields so they wouldn't be stolen, the bronze ones. Verse 29, now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? 
And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So they backed up and they had scuffles and went back and forth. There was never a full civil war, but they, they battled each other. Now remember, they, they had come in together. These are the people that Moses led through the wilderness. These are the people that God brought into the land of promise. When they put their foot in the Jordan River, the river parted. And they entered into the land and God gave them victory over the giants. There's giants in the land. They wiped them out. And God gave them great victory. And, they, and, God, and then they divided them into 12 tribes and God was blessing them in the land. It was the land flowing with milk and honey. And all it took was a couple of kings to turn their eyes away from the true and living God to watch that nation fall apart. So tragic. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. Amen. Stay humble, broken, and desperate. Shishak from Egypt came in and stripped them of all their wealth. You know, they were in bondage in Egypt. And now Egypt is going to, again, start taking, the, taking away their resources and eventually will be taking some of them captive yet again. Now, now it says there, and there was war between them. So Rehoboam rested with his fathers, was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His mother's name was Nama, the Ammonitess. Then Abijam, his son, reigned in his place. So we see that Two of their sons take their places, but they had told them that their, their family would no longer reign. Well, guess what? They're not going to reign long. Because as soon as they die, we're going to see in the coming chapters, uh, they don't learn either. It gets more and more radical. They continue to turn away from the Lord. Can I encourage you? And I'm not saying that I don't have struggles in my own life because I do. We're all sinners saved by grace. Can I get an amen to that? But that being said, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than when you love somebody and you know they know the truth and you sit across the table from them and you read the Bible to them and it is so clear and they look you in the eye and say, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. And it breaks your heart. And I've, I've, I've all but jumped on the table with some people like, bro, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I ran into my old girlfriend from high school on Facebook and you know, we've been talking and I went up to visit her and I'm going to leave my wife for this other woman. Oh, that's happened more times I can count. It's tragic. And every time they follow through, it's a disaster. Every time. And it's sad because the enemy wants to intrigue you with something that feeds your flesh. He wants to destroy you. Satan doesn't show up at your house with a pitchfork in his hand and horns on his head and say, come to hell with me. You know, he, he, he makes himself an angel of light. Well, she understands me more than my wife ever has. Well, that's because she's never been married to you. Get over it. But the reality is, but the reality is that we need to come to a place where we stay humble, broken, and desperate for Almighty God. Amen? So in closing, lessons often learned the hard way. Number one, the false gods of this world have no answers. Don't run to the world for answers. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nothing is hidden from his sight. You can't fool God. He knows who you are, who you really are. He knows you best and loves you most. Isn't that good news? He knows every wicked, vile thing you've ever done. He loves you anyway. What a great and awesome God we serve. Obedience brings blessing. Rebellion brings judgment. When we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. The way the transgressor is hard, the wages of sin is death. Life is but a vapor. Your time here is limited. May we spend it well. May we use it well. Amen. The flesh will never be satisfied. Power and pride often lead to lives driven by fleshly desires and lead to hardened hearts. And then lastly, all that God has blessed you, blessed you with can be wiped out in a moment of rebellion. Reputation is who you are when everyone's watching and character is who you are when only God's watching. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you wrote it down for us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who gives us understanding. And Lord, I pray that we would take what we have learned tonight and we would apply it to our lives. But Lord, if there's an area of our life where there needs to be repentance, if there's an area where we are living outside of your will, where we've given a, a portion of our life over to our fleshly desires, I pray, Lord, that even tonight we would get right with you, that we would lay that at the foot of the cross. We'd surrender our lives to you. Lord, we pray for our nation. Lord, bring revival here and start in our hearts first. Lord, our country desperately needs you. We're getting further and further away from you every day, it seems. But Lord, we know that in the end you win. And we're thankful, Lord, that you're in control, that you're sovereign, that you're faithful. And Lord, we look to the throne of grace and nowhere else as the place of our hope. And so Lord, I pray for everyone who's here tonight, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would draw closer to you every day. We pray for divine appointments tomorrow for every one of us, that we'd have a chance to share our faith. May we not be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, we pray for Hillcrest Christian School. We thank you for this school. 
We thank you for the blessing of being here. We look forward to what looks like it's going to be a long-term relationship and how we can minister to this community and reach it for the kingdom of God. So Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. You are a great and awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.